And floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Calls right now with your home improvement questions. Standing by to help you out at 1 888 Money Pit 888 666 3974. If your significant other wrapped up, let's say, I don't know, a window to stick under the present, under the tree. <laughs> You know, we can help you with that. We'll probably tell you how to install it. Whatever. Call us right now at one eight 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 Money Pit, eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Seriously, we know that this is a day of relaxation, a day of celebration, or weekend I should say of celebration for you. So uh, let's talk about next year's home improvement projects. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. Coming up this hour, it is a common side effect of chilly temps. And it can cost you thousands of dollars in damages. We're talking about frozen and burst pipes. Imagine heading out for some holiday visitations to come back to a water pouring out your front door. It has happened, and it could happen to you. We're going to tell you, though, how to take care of those pipes so it won't happen this season. And also, ahead, speaking of leaks, you know, it doesn't just mean water. It can also mean air. So we're going to teach you about how to find those leaks that are going on in your house that maybe aren't so obvious, like around your attic stairs. You know, a lot of your conditioned air can sneak out there. So we're going to tell you how to take care of that once and for all. Plus, we've got an all-natural way to stain wood using stuff that is so safe you can drink it. We're going to talk about how you can stain wood using products like coffee or other pantry ingredients that are super green, super safe, and will produce amazing results. And this hour, we're giving away a great prize. It's called a Throver from Krypton Super Fabrics. It's worth $115, and it's like a cover and a blanket, but it is completely like dirt-proof. It sounds pretty awesome, and it could be yours for free. It's going to go to one caller who reaches us with their home improvement question. So give yourself a present today and call us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Leslie, who's first? Harvey in Illinois needs some help with the gutters on his house. What can we do for you? Uh, hi, I just wanted to mention you have a wonderful show. Thank Thanks. you, Harvey. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm repairing some gutters uh, uh, for a neighbor. Okay, she has some gutters put on my contract, and they did a very poor job. The problem okay. is they threw on some leaf guards. Mm-hmm. All right. Plastic snap on leaf guards and left mm-hmm. the uh, receiving end sticking up in the air. They're okay. not, tucked, not tucked under the material, so that's a total disaster. So my question is, do I just leave them off, or do I cut the seal along the edge of the uh, roofing material to tuck them underneath there? Why do you have to cut a, uh, cut a seal? Is this asphalt shingles? No, it's not. There is a single ply. No, oh, it's single ply. Yeah, no, you don't want to cut it. Yeah. Um, probably wouldn't even have put leaf guards on that. Is this a flat roof? It's a gently sloping flat yeah. roof. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably not a good choice for leaf guards because what happens is if you don't have a lot of water that runs off, you're not going to wash those leaves off the off the top of the gutter guard. Typically, that you need like a 212 or a 312 pitch to make that work. So I think in this case, I would tend to leave the leaf guards off. I would put the wire baskets in the top of the downspouts that stop leaves from going down there. And then at least if you have to clean them off, you know, you won't have a clogged downspout to worry about. Okay, that sounds like a solution to me. All right, that'll help you out. Thank you. You're welcome, Harvey. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Nice of Harvey to uh, be taking care of the neighbor's gutters. Yeah, that's a good neighbor. Most people in this country don't take care of their own gutters. <laughs> Harvey is a particularly generous soul. 
And then there's me that makes fun of her neighbor's gutters. <laughs> there's a tree growing out of one. Yeah, well, you learned you learned to take care of your gutters when your basement flooded. <laughs> it was my first house. Leave me alone. I never had a gutter. All right. Who's next? Kim in Missouri is having some issues with a heat pump. To quote her directly, it wigs out at 32 degrees <laughs> or below. Welcome, Kim. What's going on? Yes, I've just noticed that my heat pump, when it hits, you know, around freezing or below... And that it just doesn't keep up anymore. It's now, so does it get cold in the house when that happens? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so l- let's just talk a bit about way, the way heat pumps work, because there is a secondary system built into it that may not be functioning properly. Heat pumps have an electric resistance furnace built into them as well. And what happens with a heat pump is if you set your thermostat at, um, I don't know, say 72 and it falls to 71 or 70, the heat pump stays on and tries to maintain it and get it back up to 72. When it gets to 69 or below, the heat pump says, whoa, I can't keep up with this, so I'm going to bring on my electric backup resistance heat to bring it back up to within that two-degree differential. Now, if there's something wrong with the resistance heat component of your heat pump, that could be why it's not keeping up, especially in super cold temperatures. So that is most likely the source of this issue. Okay. Okay. And it's a, it's a call to a serviceman to make sure because um, do you have on your thermostat itself a, a setting that says emergency heat? Yes, I do. Now, uh-huh. have you ever put it on there and and had it work fine? Yes, when I switch it over to there to that, um, this red light comes on and the yep. heat comes out warm. That's right, because that is turning on without the switchover happening, the electric furnace. I suspect there's a problem with your control circuit, and it's not balancing between the two. When you manually turn it on, you're actually turning the heat pump off and the electric furnace on. That's what the emergency heat setting is. Oh, okay. So we know we have coils at work. We don't have a heat pump that works. They just don't work together. So (laughs) I think think that's probably the heart of of the situation. Okay, I just need to have somebody come and look at that then. Yep. All right, Kim. All right, thank All right. you. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't want to run that electric furnace a lot because it costs about two or three times as much to run that as it does to run the heat pump. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Thank you. You're welcome, Kim. <laughs> Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can call in your home repair, home improvement, home improvement resolutions for 2011. We can help you with all of that. So give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, a trivia question, Leslie. What freezes first, hot water pipes or cold water pipes? I know there's a trick answer to this. Well, the answer will surprise you. We'll tell you after this. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you should give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT because one caller we talked to this hour is going to win the Krypton Super Fabrics Throver. That's a throw and a cover in one. You can use it to drape over an antique sofa or the back seat of a car on the way to grandma's house to protect the car perhaps from pets if you're taking them along or on the ride. Or kids with soccer shoes. Or soccer <laughs> shoes. That's right. 
The fabric is treated with an eco-friendly process that makes it very resistant to stains. It's worth 115 bucks, but it's going to go to one caller that reaches us with their home improvement question at one eight 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 Money Pit. Mm-hmm. Well, the throver, and I do love that word, and I'm so glad somebody invented that because it's fantastic. But a throver, it can keep you warm, but can it keep your plumbing warm? Well, folks who live in the frigid climates of the United States may be getting the bonus of a white Christmas this weekend, but also they have to deal with the unpleasant side effect which could be frozen pipes. Now, when a pipe freezes, it can burst, and then that can cause major, major damage, sometimes thousands of dollars in repairs. So to prevent frozen pipes, there are a couple of things that you should do. First, insulate the pipes. You can do this with foam tubes, fiberglass tubes, and fiberglass pipe wrap. You can use them all, use one, your choice. Now, if you notice that the same pipe freezes all the time, then you might want to consider having that pipe rerun through a warmer section of your house to avoid that pipe freezing. You also want to check for areas outside where cold air might be getting into that area where that pipe is freezing because some additional weather stripping or even insulation might be all that you need to stop this pipe from freezing from all that cold air getting in. Now, if you realize a pipe is frozen, electric heat tape can be used to help thaw it. But a big caution here, folks, heat tape can be dangerous if it's not used correctly. You want to make sure the product that you use has a built-in thermostat. Also make sure it's UL listed and properly installed, which means you can't double it back on top of itself. Mm. You basically lay it on top of the pipe in one continuous piece and then attach it that way. Now, if that doesn't work and the pipe is still frozen, you may need to hire a plumber that has a pipe thawing machine, or you can rent one from a local rental company that will help thaw out those frozen pipes for good. Now, the answer to the trivia question, what pipe freezes first, hot water pipes or cold water pipes, is a hot water pipe. Surprise? Which you would think cold. You would think cold, but here's why. That's because when the water goes through the water heater, it boils out all the air that's in the line. So when a pipe that has cold water in it only freezes, it's kind of spongy because it has Mm -hmm. a lot of air pockets inside of it, and uh, that actually takes up some of the expansion. But hot water pipe, no oxygen, and it cracks the pipe first. So hot water pipes will always freeze and break before cold water pipes. I'll make sure when I'm having some bubbly at a New Year's Eve party, I turn to <laughs> someone and say, hey, let me tell you a little you know? trivia question. <laughs> That's right. Maybe you could win some money on that bet. <laughs> 888-666-3974. Who's next? Richard in Ohio is dealing with ice damming. Tell us what's going on. Every winter, and whenever we have some freezing rain and... It, I always end up with ice dams. Now, I've had more insulation blown into my attic. I have about probably a good 20 inches of insulation blown into my attic. I do have the, the, uh, the panels that go in between your, uh, your roof rafters, your rafters, that make sure my soffits are uh, getting plenty of air. And no matter what I do, I still end up with ice dams. And then I've had leak uh, where the water's backed up and started leaking into, well, into one of my uh, closets. Well, the number one way to prevent ice dams is with ice and water shield. Um, okay. So obviously you don't have that under your roof shingles. But that, Not, that no, would... I, I need to put on a new roof probably here in the next couple of years. I, my roof yeah, that not... would be the solution. What I would use is gray ice and water shield. And it's a material that's about three feet uh wide Mm, because it only goes on that first three feet of your roof right it goes from that first edge on up and it's designed if the water does get trapped at the gutter air edge there and backs up it can't get in the roof just can't Can't because it's like a rubberized membrane yeah exactly yes i've seen the the uh the product 
But uh, do I need to add any more ventilation to my roof? I only have two hats. Well, I have a hip roof, and uh, it's a ranch home. Yeah, hip roofs are difficult to vent. Uh, what you want to do is, what's your soffit vents look like? Are they continuously open? Yes, I have a continuous open soffits. I have two-foot soffits. Okay, and they're all and vented? They're, they're vented. Okay, so that's good. So how much ridge do you have on this hip roof? Uh, probably 24 feet. Okay, so what I would do is I would add a ridge vent to that 24-foot section. Okay. That'll really open that up. Um, and then with the soffit vents and the ridge vents, they'll work together to depressurize the ridge and positively pressurize the soffit. The air will run in the soffit up under the sheathing and out. That plus the ice and water shield should make this problem go away permanently, Rich. Well, thank you very much for your information. You're welcome, Richard. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Gene in Oregon is having a cleaning issue. Tell us what you're working on. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to keep uh, my uh, whirlpool... Uh, black appliances from streaking. Yeah, that is like the most common complaint. We ourselves have a GE profile oven which has a black cooktop, and that is the hardest thing to keep clean. Dust shows up right away on it. No matter what I use, I always get streaks. So I kind of did a little bit of experimenting. And if you sort of ditch your paper towels and go with microfiber cloths, that kind of helps to reduce any kind of scratching you might get from a paper towel. Either way, paper towels or a nice cloth, you're going to be all right. But the cloth does help. Then when you're cleaning, you really can't use any sort of cleanser that has a harsh chemical because that damages the surface. So if you end up with like a big greasy mess, dish soap and water will just do a great job to help you get rid of that grease. If that doesn't work, you can make a paste of baking soda and water that'll help break up whatever food buildup has sort of dried on there or, you know, residue or oil from cooking. And baking soda is super safe, so that's not going to scratch. Now, once you get whatever food or stain is off of there and you want to really just cleanse it truly a mixture of white vinegar and water or if you get windex with vinegar that's really going to be the best thing to get rid of any of that streaking it's going to dry nicely you're going to end up with a nice clean surface now if you find you end up with the streaks after you clean with just water it could be that the water you have may be full of chemicals or like a, a maybe full of actually minerals or something that can leave that white streaky mark so again anything with vinegar in it is really going to be helpful if you do want to use some type of water just to aid in the cleansing and you find it is your tap water you can get distilled water by the bottle at the supermarket i mean those are good tricks that we've used because it's certainly it, it's annoying more than anything well uh, when the sun shines in, uh, it can be embarrassing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you really feel like you're not doing a good job, even though you've just cleaned it. So the vinegar really does make a huge difference. All right. And thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. Joe and George has got his house down to the studs. Tell me what is going on. You've gutted it. Yes. I uh, bought a house that's about uh, 58 years old. Great. And I gutted the house uh, based on it's just, you know, the uh, in interior walls looks kind of shoddy. I got it at a great price. So I got it the house. Now the problem that I'm faced with is that there's some interior wo uh, wood in the st in the uh, walls that are going to need to be replaced. Okay. Problem is, is that all of the studs are true 2x4s. Ah. So that's really 2 inches by 4 inches. It's not 1 and 5 eighths by 3 and a half. Nope. Right. Huh. Okay. So you just took you took all the old plaster and wallboard off of the stuff, and and so now you just want to figure out how you're going to clean it up. Why, do you have to replace studs? Why 
Why don't you yeah, have... There's there's several. I would say probably 25% of the studs are going to have to be replaced. Well, here's what I would do. I would buy standard 2x4s. I uh-huh. would rip out some, you know, set up a table saw, rip some half-inch strips of wood. I'd build the wall. You can either pull the 2x4 to the forward so that it basically has some space behind it, or you can just pad it out by a half inch. So basically build the individual or build a new 2x4 up. Exactly. Build a new 2x4. Okay. That's going to be a lot cheaper than you. I mean, you can always buy 2x6s and rip them down, but that would be a terrible waste. Right. I just didn't know if I was going to have to buy, like, milled 2x4s or... No, you don't, I don't think you can buy them. By the way, you know, it, the wood originally was 2 inches by 4 inches, as you saw, and the milling is what took it down to 1 and 5 eighths by 3 and a half. So they still call it a 2x4, but that, the 2x4 measurement was actually before it was milled. So that's just a little bit of building lumber history, a little stud history there as to why it's called a 2x4. But, you know, your options are to pad up the surface before you put your wall board on it or just to buy 2x6s and cut them down. I don't know. If I had maybe a half a dozen studs to worry about, I'd probably buy the 2x6s and just rip them down. If I had, you know, one or two, I might pad it out. All right. Well, thank you for your help. those are your options, Joe. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Yeah, you know, when you built the old walls and mm-hmm. you were putting up wood lath and then lathering plaster on top of that, it didn't matter if they were, you know, not completely flush if one bowed out a right, half Right, because you could or, cover that up. Yeah, you put a little more plaster here, a little less plaster there, and you got a flat wall. But now when you're trying to put drywall up and the board bends and buckles and shows every deflection, you got to have a pretty straight wall. And so when you gut it, you're, this is a problem, part of the problem. June in North Carolina is thinking about selling her house and needs some help with what repairs to do first. How can we help you? Yes. First of all, I'd like to say how much I love the show. Thanks, June. You're welcome. My husband and I have a three-year-old house with three bedrooms and two and a half baths plus a frog. Okay. We are trying to figure out if it would help the marketability of the house to add a closet and a bathroom so we can classify the frog as a, another bedroom. Mm, okay. But would it make any difference? In general, adding bathrooms always helps. Mm. But you need to compare your house to what's selling in the neighborhood because when you put your home on a market, you're, com- you're competing with everything else that's around you. And, you know, having, you know, an extra bathroom may or may not help you. It's really an appraisal question. I would check with some local realtors. You can ask them to do uh, a market value assessment of your home both ways, you know, with two and a half baths and three and a half baths or whatever the case is, and see how the numbers play out. Bathrooms generally do get you the best return on investment, but only if you stay within what's for sale in your neighborhood. Okay. Thank you. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, still ahead, would you be willing to show the world a very ugly part of your home? I know I wouldn't, but I always try to avoid ugly parts of our house. Well, our next guest did just that and actually won a makeover for doing so. We're going to hear all about it after this. The Money Pit is brought to you by Snowblowersdirect.com. Thinking about getting a snowblower? 
Check out SnowblowersDirect.com's interactive buying guides, recommendations, and customer reviews. Snowblower experts are available to help you pick the perfect snowblower. Visit SnowblowersDirect.com. Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And if you happen to have the ugliest door around your neighborhood, you probably don't want everyone to know. Unless, of course, there was a chance that you could win a brand new one. And that's just what our next guest did. And her name is Judy Grishinsky. And she entered Thermatru's Ugliest Door in America contest and had the honor of truly having the ugliest door <laughs> voters have ever seen. Here to tell us why that is a good thing in this case is Judy. Hi, Judy. Welcome to the program. Well, hi. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. We took a look at your video entry, and we must say we agree. Uh, I don't know if it was the warping, the peeling brown paint, the uh, ugly door knocker, uh, and or the massive amounts of caulk that seemed to be everywhere. Um, you, this truly was the weakest link in your house, wasn't it? It, it really was. It just didn't. Um, it didn't say what I wanted it to say about my house and my home and my indoors and how I take care of my my house. So it uh, really was a sore thumb. So, other than the fact that this was just a horrible instance on your beautiful home, I mean, was that truly the only thing that inspired you, or had you been looking into the Thermatru doors for a while? Oh, I had been looking at Thermatru doors. I had been to several. Um, home improvement um, establishments in our area and had narrowed it down to the Thermatru doors and um, was um, always going back and looking at their website and, um, you know, checking it out to see, you know, this style or that style, etc. So I'd already made my decision about what brand of door to, you, to, to buy. So you've been thinking about the uh, about the project, and then when you heard about the contest, you, you jump right on it. Now, the website is MyUglyDoor.com. You can go there and take a look at Judy's winning video of her, of her ugly door. Now, you're going to choose a new door now. Uh, what do you have in mind? We talk a lot about the fact that uh, a new exterior door can really drive up the perceived value of your house, save you some money on your energy bills, and, and it just looks good. What kinds of uh, doors have you been considering in the fiberglass category? Well... That was my difficulty. I um, had so many options with Thermatru. Uh, they truly uh, have a beautiful door. So I, <laughs> I drove around neighborhoods. I drove other cities. <laughs> You're I doing your dealers. research. That's good. Yeah, I, I just and you know looked through magazines, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It took me a long time to narrow it down, and of course I went back to one of my. Um, you know, my first love. It's always, it's always that way. Yeah, isn't it? And uh, so that's what I ended up doing. And um, I had a wonderful um, dealer in the Chicago area who helped uh, help me narrow it down. And uh, we finally ordered it. That's great. Are you adding anything different? Are you changing a side light? Are you adding glass to the door? Um, I already had uh, a single side light, mm-hmm. so we're going to keep with a single side light. Um, that's all the larger I could make it. But we've um, we've chosen a beautiful glass. It's called the, their Bella glass, and um, it's uh, quite pretty. And when you see it on online, it doesn't really ju- do it justice. When you see it in in person at a showroom, it's quite a beautiful um, glass. Option. And it's really going to make your home just pop and really stand out on the Absolutely. block. Absolutely. Absolutely it will. 
Yeah. Well, Judy, congratulations on having the ugliest door in America. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I see that you got... It'll be now pretty and secure <laughs> and safe and uh, energy efficient and all of those good things kind of all wrapped into one. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us, telling us all about your ugly door. You got to go online and check this out. Uh, the ugliest door in America contest is over, but you can see uh, at myuglydoor.com all of the submissions, including uh, Judy's uh, winning submission. And Judy, uh, when the project's complete, I hope that uh, you get some photos up there so we can see the, the both the before and the after. Of course, I will do that. All right, Judy. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit, and congratulations once again. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Leslie, for having me today. Man, Judy, that is so brave of you to share this whole story. And we know that New Door is going to help keep Judy toasty, toasty, toasty warm this winter. So up next, how you can keep toasty by sealing air leaks that you might not even know you had. So stick around. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we'd love for you to be part of the Money Pit. So pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT, even if it's just to say happy holidays. We'd love to hear from you. And one lucky caller that we talked to on the air this hour is going to win the Krypton Super Fabrics Throver. And I feel like we should incorporate that word into our vocabulary on a daily basis. It's a throw and a cover all in one. And it works like a tarp, but the fabric actually feels feels like a blanket so it doesn't feel like industrial or cold and you can use it to drape it over an antique sofa or the backseat of your car to protect it from your kids you know snowy shoes or the pets whatever you've got in your car it's going to keep it clean now the fabric is treated with an eco-friendly process that makes it resistant to stains liquids odor mildew even bacteria and you can check it out at kryptonfabric.com or give us a call right now at 888 money pit for your answer and your chance to win 888-666-3974. Well, you might think that your home is ready for winter's chill, but if you still feel a draft, there are a few overlooked areas of the home that might be able to use a little extra treatment. Owens Corning, for example, has insulation accessories that can add that final layer of comfort before winter winds blow through. There's the Owens Corning Attic Stairway Insulator, which is made up of pink fiberglass insulation. It's very tough, and it's got very reflective foil. I actually have one of these on top of my stairway, and we love it. It comes ready to install, and it's a very easy do-it-yourself project. And it's amazing when you pull down the attic stairway and you feel all the heat right above it that the Owens Corning Attic Stairway Insulator is containing. It does mm-hmm. a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a space that a lot of people don't think about right away, if ever, when they're thinking about sealing off their house. And another weak spot that often gets overlooked is your garage. Now, Owens Corning also has a garage door insulation kit that comes with eight fiberglass insulation panels with a washable white vinyl facing. And this kit is designed for use on uninsulated metal garage doors. And the panels fit right into the exposed channels of the door. And you're going to get five times better thermal performance and as much as a 20% reduction in noise level, which is a great bonus. Now, a single door can be insulated in less than an hour, so you can do it in, you know, a weekend's project or even a day. Just head on over to owenscorning.com for more information on these projects and other great ways that you can insulate your home and start saving some energy dollars. Or pick up the phone and call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Justin in Illinois is dealing with an unbalanced HVAC system. Tell us about the problem. 
Yes, I just bought a house last year, and it was just recently flipped, and uh, I can't get no airflow to my upstairs. So we have no airflow whatsoever on the second floor? Well, I I can breathe harder than it it can blow. (laughs) It's coming out of there? All right, so the duct system is somehow restricted to the second floor, and this never came up in a home inspection or anything like that? No, it's got that insulated fiberglass, you know, that flexible ductwork. Right. Okay. And, uh, I mean, it's got 14 ducts coming out of it. I don't know. 14 ducts? Like it looks like an octopus? Yeah. Yeah, that probably wasn't installed right. Typically, um, you need to have a trunk line, and then the ducts come off of that. I've seen those installations where you have one big, uh, like, central dispatch point, and then lots of hoses coming off of that. And that's never that's never going to be very efficient. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling you're going to have to do some duct work here. Uh, and what you want to do is, is this on a basement or a crawl space? It's in a basement, yes. So what you want to do is you probably want to have hard ducts until you get to the dispatch point that goes up into the wall, and then you can switch to flex duct. But I have a feeling that this was not this was not installed correctly, and as a result, you're not getting the airflow that you need. Would I be better off shutting, I mean, closing off some of the other ducts that I don't need? Well, I mean, that's a very short-term solution, Justin. Uh, the problem here is that you don't have a properly installed duct system. All right. And you need to get the air where it needs to get. And, you know, part of a properly installed HVAC system is duct design. And, and you know, there's some science behind it, and there's some standards of practice behind it. And when you have uh, one distribution box and a lot of uh, 14 different hoses coming off it, that's not going to work. There's so much back pressure when the blower comes on that not enough air can get into the ducts and make their way through the ducts up into their rooms. All right. Yeah, I would contact an HVAC contractor and, and have them um, evaluate Have the them system. evaluate it and give you an estimate on what it might take to, to, to correct this problem. Yeah, we're running in quite a few problems on this flip. No, no. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, you know well, how go. <laughs> welcome to home ownership, Justin. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Sandra in Texas, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Well, um, I have I, every year I have my uh, heating elements uh, looked at, inspected, and and uh, for a tune-up. And um, this time I changed companies, and the people that came found a biological growth and lots of dirt in the master bedroom system. I've got three systems, and that one is available through a closet. It's not in the attic. And he he told me that I had to put in a uh, very sophisticated system with some kind of bulb that would kill the mold that went through the tubes and Mm -hmm. so forth. And uh, that it would cost around $900. Right. So you think you may be just trying to sell you something, or do you think you really have a problem? Yes, I I think so, because uh, my son went up after, and he uh, said, well, that's just dirt for that white mold that they said that was there was dirt of the construction, and he wiped it off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there is a light that's an add-on to heating systems, like an ultraviolet light that's designed to kill bacteria, and I'm not even sure if it kills mold spores. It's not a very popular add-on, but it sounds to me like they're just trying to sell that to you, especially if your son ID'd it as dirt. You know, a lot of these folks that are identifying mold, you know, they just call it all mold. And, you know, and, and, and if they get the sale, they get the sale. So you're right to question it. Always a good idea to have a second opinion. In this case, it sounds like your son had the right information, and I wouldn't worry about it. Thank you for your wonderful program. 
You're very welcome, Sandra. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Tim in Alaska has an issue with a popcorn ceiling. How can we help you today? Uh, my house was built in 1978, and from what I understand, that was about the time frame that uh, they were switching from non-asbestos products. And I was wondering if, what the likelihood really that my my ceiling has got popcorn ceiling all over it, what's the likelihood of that having asbestos in it? Well, I, I have to say that I think that most of the asbestos was gone by then, but the only way you would know for sure is if you took scrapings and sent it out and had it analyzed which is not a terribly expensive thing to do. And worth it if you're thinking about taking it down. Yeah, we get a lot of calls about about uh, popcorn ceiling and it's you know, there's a lot of it's a lot of work to get rid of it, but I will say that uh, you're probably going to be a lot happier when you do. It's yeah, it's very dirty. So mm-hmm. yeah. And you know what Tim, you should have it tested if you plan on taking it down, even if you planned on painting it because as you work with it, you know, and especially if you're going to take it off, it becomes completely, you know, torn apart. It's a big mess. It comes apart in pieces. And if there's a chance that there's asbestos in there, you probably have to have it removed in a very special way that you won't be able to do yourself. So it's better off to know what's in there before you even think about tackling it. Certainly. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, are you worried about using toxic chemical-based stains for your wood projects? Why not consider all-natural stains made out of stuff so safe you can eat it or drink it. Find out exactly how to do that after this. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And I'm talking to you guys out there, all of you Money Pit fans. We want you to show us what you're working on. We want you to ask us a question. You can even post a blog. And you can do all of that and more. I mean, these are things we want you guys working on with us in moneypit.com's new community section. Now, this is a great way for us to even get more involved in what you guys are working on. We just love to hear from you so make sure you visit moneypit.com and click on the community tab and when you're there you can post a question tom and i answer them you guys can answer someone else's question it's a great place to form a wonderful home improvement community and we've got a posting here from jm who wrote our house was built in the 1950s and i was looking for input on insulating the rafter area upstairs if we do this would we need more vents on the roof and a fan on each end of the peak of the roof Hmm. Uh, interesting question. The only time that you ever want to insulate those rafters, though, is if uh, it's a finished living space up there in the attic. If it's unfinished, you never, ever insulate the rafters. You always insulate the space between the conditioned, which would be your second floor, and the unconditioned, which would be the attic space, because you want to keep the heat basically at the attic floor level. If you were to go ahead and insulate the roof rafters, what can happen is the shingles will overheat, and they can fry. And but shorten can, the lifespan. Yeah, you can shorten the lifespan dramatically by doing that. So I would concentrate on insulating the attic floor area and make sure you have at least 19 to 22 inches of insulation in that area and leave the attic rafters uninsulated if this is an unfinished attic space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by doing all of that, you can really make sure that you cut down on a lot of your energy loss. Just make sure you have, you know, ridge venting and soffit vents for a great airflow to keep that insulation doing its job. And you should have a great heating season. 
Well, if you're concerned about using toxic materials in your home improvement projects, there are many ways that you can green some of those materials. Leslie's got those ideas in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. That's right. If you're looking for a natural, non-toxic wood stain, you might want to actually raid your kitchen pantry because coffee tea and black walnut hulls can be steeped to make a concentrated solution that can actually be used as a stain. Also, black raspberries are an effective wood stain when they're crushed and then rubbed onto the wood. What you then do is you allow that berry pulp to dry on the wood and then you just wipe it away. Now, vinegar works as a wood stain when you add a metal object in the mix and then let it sit in a glass container for a week. So a handful of pennies added to the vinegar is actually going to produce a beautiful pale Caribbean blue because obviously that's the patina you get when copper turns that beautiful greenish blue. Now a wad of steel wool is going to give you a rich reddish hue because that steel wool is going to rust. Now as with any stain you should check out the results that you're going to get on a piece of scrap wood. This way you'll know exactly what you're going to get as the end product so there's no surprise especially if you're building something from scratch and you spend all the time and then you're like what did I do? So you really get an opportunity to see how many coats, how the shade changes depending on how many pennies you add. It's a fun way to sort of experiment. Also keep in mind that stained wood can change with age, often with attractive results, but be prepared to potentially end up with a different look later. Now you can use a clearer sealant on the top of your stain to keep it from fading, but you know that'll also enhance the durability and keep the surface from scratching or sort of changing from water stains. If you want some more ideas or specific instructions, just Google Money Pit Natural Wood Stain and you're going to find a whole host of great ideas there. And this is the all-natural Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Coming up next week on the program, when you're trying to cut energy costs, which is more important, sealing out those leaks or insulating your home? What do you grab first, the caulk gun or the insulation? We will sort that out on the next edition of the Money Pit. Happy holidays, everybody. And remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Pit.